Hallelujah. I just want to share a testimony of the goodness of God. And as I was worshiping, I heard the Lord say, I want you to share the testimony of your mom. And when I got saved, I got so radically saved, and I got saved from a religious tradition. And, man, when you're in a religious tradition, you think that church is the only one that's going to heaven. And I was so thankful the Lord had set me free. And during that time of freedom, I went back home to share with my parents what happened to me. And I had shared how I had given my life to the Lord and how I received Jesus Christ into my heart and how it changed me. And as I was sharing it with my family, we were sitting around the table and I said, you can have him too. You can receive Jesus Christ into your heart. Just ask for forgiveness of your sins and ask him to come in. At that time, we were sitting around the table. My brother's dog was a German shepherd And it got up on the table with the paws. It put one paw on my mother and one paw on me as we were getting ready to say the prayer of salvation. And I said, wow, this is cool. Even the dog is getting saved today. But it was so powerful. And how many of you know animals can feel the spirit of God stronger than we can? And as I was telling my parents about what had happened in my life and how the Lord had come in and healed me and delivered me from a lot of unforgiveness, I talked to my mom about it. And she didn't want to hear about the unforgiveness. She wasn't there. She wasn't ready to forgive. And um, as my journey went on with the Lord. I would go back home and I'd still share and say, Mom, are you ready to forgive? No, I'll never forgive. And my mom was um, struck with breast cancer. And at the time, I went back home and I started ministering to her some more about the forgiveness. And it was a week before her death. And um, my pastor said, Luann, it's time for you to go home. I was going through a divorce. I just lost my house. I lost my car. And going through the roughest week of my life, but knowing that God was with me, it was so awesome. I had such a peace, even though the devil was trying to strip everything away from me. And I went back home, and I saw my mom in the state she was in, and I prayed for healing for her. And I left, and I went back home. We said goodbye. And I got home, and I received this phone call, and it was my lawyer. And he said to me, Luann, did your mom forgive? I said, no, I couldn't get her to do it. She says, call her back right now. And he said, it's very important that she forgives. And I said, okay, I'll call her back. And um, I had gotten a phone call from somebody in my family, and they said, oh, mom slipped into a coma. She's not going to be able to talk to you. And I said, yeah, watch this. Hung up the phone, and I started binding the devil. I said, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You loose my mother from that coma. She's going to talk to me, and she's going to forgive. And I bind that demon of unforgiveness, and I release peace over her right now in the name of Jesus. So I called my house, and my father answered, and he said, hey, how are you? And I said, good. I want to talk to mom. Oh, honey, she's been in a coma. My mom's in the background. She yells, Jack, who's on the phone? (laughs) He said, oh, it's Luann. I want to talk to her. She gets on the phone, and you could just tell a difference in her spirit. She says, hi, honey, how are you? I said, Mom, Jesus wants to heal you or take you home. 
but you have to forgive those who hurt you. Are you ready to do that? And she says, yes, honey, I am. And she says, I forgive. One was my father. I forgive. One was her sister. I forgive. One was a sister-in-law. And she dropped the phone, and the Lord took her home. And today when we are worshiping, I felt like I saw someone's heart tied to a graveyard. And I believe it's a parent who you need to forgive. It's never too late to forgive. They can be on in the graveyard. They can be in heaven. They could be in hell. But you have to forgive. Jesus will set you free. One time I was in a meeting at Gary Greenwald's, and he said, get up and say, I'm giving out, get out a jail card free today. I said, Lord, what is that? He said, there's people here in bondage. They're in prison because they choose not to forgive. And I gave the word, and I can't tell you, but many people stood up that needed to forgive. Started thinking about family members. Started thinking about what has been done to you. When you talk about someone and you don't want to talk about them anymore, it means you still have unforgiveness. And today, the Lord wants to set those people free. And I just want to ask everyone to stand. And I want you to ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit, To reveal, is there anyone you need to forgive? Yes, I know the devil is real and the devil has hurt many of you. Trust me, he has done it to me. But sometimes when I pray for people, I think I had it bad. And I see how the devil is. He's real. He tells you the same lies he tells me. He tells everybody, it's your fault. Look what they did. You can't forgive them. Yes, you can, because Jesus Christ will give you that freedom. And Holy Spirit, I want you to reveal, Lord, to each and every one of us, Lord, anyone we need to forgive. And it could be yourself, and it could even be the Lord. I want you to say this prayer. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to show me who I need to forgive. Lord, I choose to forgive them. Lord, I release them. And I bless them in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that you've set me free. And I'm asking you to set them free. Amen? You may be seated. When people tell me the things they've gone through and they say how they don't want to forgive their father and they don't want to forgive their mother, I always share with them, they can only give to you that was given to them. My parents didn't go to church. They didn't know the knowledge that Jesus Christ is love, peace, and joy. Growing up in a house of nine children, there was a lot of fighting and bickering, and we knew that We had to submit, but we were brought up in a house where we worked. I started at nine years old, 
And I knew what it was like to work. And how many of you know when you're a child and you get that going on in your house that early, sometimes bitterness and rage and anger rises up because it doesn't feel fair. But, you know, I thank God now that my parents made me that way because it put inside of me a work ethic. So it's funny how what the devil meant for evil, I just turn it around and give it to God for his glory. Amen. God is so awesome. Um, I would just like to ask you two to stand up. As I was worshiping, I heard the Lord say, the horseshoes are coming off. And I heard the Lord say, they're going to be keys God is going to give you to set your family free. And God chose the two of you in your generation to be blessed. And even though you've been persecuted, you've been slandered and abandoned, it's okay because Jesus was. But how awesome is it that God chose the two of you? And I just feel like you're going to turn around and you're going to pull those horseshoes off. And those are keys of freedom, of strongholds, of religious spirits. So, Father, right now, I thank you, Lord, that they're deliverers for the kingdom in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that the stronghold in the family is coming down. Lord, I thank you that religious mindsets are being shifted in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just bless this family. I bless, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that... Father, you have chosen them at such an age, Lord, that, Father, they're going to destroy the enemy and the family that has been trying to hold them back in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And where's Rebecca? Is she here? Rebecca, will you come up here, honey? Father, I just thank you for Rebecca, Lord. I thank you for an awesome woman of God. Hallelujah. Rebecca, when you were worshiping on Friday night, I was looking at you, and I was just so blessed at your spirit. You have such a free spirit to worship the king. And when I woke up in the morning, I heard the Lord say, Daughter, it is time. It is time for redemption. And I heard the Lord say, you're going to walk around the corner and you're going to see Boaz. And God said, I am going to redeem your life like never before. God says redemption is coming. And I just feel like you need to raise your hands to the Lord and watch this suddenly happen for you. So, Father, I just thank you for Rebecca. I thank you for her spirit. Lord, I thank you that redemption is who you are, God. I thank you restoration is who you are. And, God, you love this daughter, and, Lord, you want to bless her. And, Father, right now, we just bless Rebecca in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, baby, it's yours. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Uh, I just want to give a, first of all, a prophetic word. Uh, I don't think this, I thought it was a message, but I feel like it's a prophetic word to the church, to uh, pastors, apostles, Stephen Melody. And I took it out of very familiar scripture, but the Lord highlighted different things. And out of 1 Samuel 17 about David and Goliath. And uh, I want to just talk about a couple of verses and just release it prophetically. 
It says the Philistines stood on one side of the mountain in verse 3, and the Israel stood on the other side of the mountain, the valley between. And, you know, we know about the seven mountains. And I really felt like God said that uh, he said that this church has been given authority and assignment in three mountains. Now, thank God we don't have to cover everything. You know, when I first got saved, I thought I had to save the world, but then I realized there was actually a couple other people to help out. And uh, you know what I'm saying. But I felt, I, I was really praying, and I will pray into more, but I felt like the Lord said, he's going to show you the three mountains you have authority in. Now, I go to some nations, and I know I preach, but I know those other nations I go that I have authority in those nations. And you need to know the difference because you'll not bring forth the right tools, and do the right thing. Does that make sense? So sometimes you, you are bringing a message. Sometimes you're bringing a shift. And you need to know the difference so that you keep with your assignment. And so what I also want to look at is in verse 4, and it says, A champion went out of the camp of the Philistines. We always talk about Goliath being a giant, but I want to talk about the fact that he's a champion. If we don't understand the champion the enemy has raised up, we don't understand the importance of taking him down. It was not that he was big. It was he was a champion. And for the stronghold of the Philistine mountain to be shattered, we have to take down the champion. And I felt the Lord saying he's going to give you revelation of the champion so you take down the right one. And, and it, this, there's a, a champion coming out of the camp of the Philistines. But there's also a David coming out of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And, and you know, I really feel this is a, a, a very Davidic ministry. You're, you're hidden in the, the mountains with the sheep. You may be little. You know, it's, and I want to just talk about this. I'm going to go on, but taking down the champion. Now, it says one of the things, the enemy, uh, the enemy sends out a champion to enforce the strongholds that are connected to darkness. And, and uh, you have to remember when Goliath cursed David, he didn't just say bad names. He cursed him in the name of his gods. I'm going to tell you something, whether you realize it or not. We are at war at different nations. They are cursing us by their gods, but we come in the name of the Lord. It is still spiritual. And, and we better have in God we trust over our armed forces. I want them equipped, but I want them covered. Hallelujah. Now, Goliath means shouter or intimidator. This part I want to say to you, wherever the enemy is intimidating you, that's where you're supposed to possess. Any area he's not intimidating you in probably is not your call. Just a thought. So what stirs the greatest fear in God's people? God raises up a, a David spirit to take it down. Everybody say, take it down. Amen. Now, it says in verse 8, he stood and cried out at the armies of Israel, and he said to them, why have you come up to line up for battle? So the question is, they were lining up for battle, but nobody's fighting. Sometimes we're watching, but we're not entering. And, and God wants to break the watching battle line. Now, if, if you look at this, there's another line. But we don't know what exactly, to me, I don't know what it means. But we know we're in a confrontation because we're lining up. There are lines being drawn in this nation like never before. 
And a lot of it actually is based on confusion, misinformation, accusation. But in the realm of darkness, it is a very clear attack against truth. Do you understand what I am am saying? We are in such a realigning of nations for God's end time purpose that as things are shifting, we're literally uh, plummeting toward, I feel, the finish line. And and this thing, uh, as the nations are shifting in such a radical way, even Muslim nations shifting against Iran with other nations they'd have nothing to do with. Aren't you amazed? Now, you know, you can say many things, uh, but God uses everything. And uh, I did not support Obama giving all that money to Iran, but it's brought enemies as friends against Iran. And it's actually brought Israel greater protection. God makes everything work in mysterious ways. Do you understand what I'm saying? When, when it looks like it's going backwards, God makes it go forward. Who, who would have thunk it? Okay. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, when you don't even like what happens, you may not see what God's doing in the... Okay, that's all I'm saying. So God knows who he needs in there to move and shift nations. And Obama was a part of that as much as Trump. It is, it is a master plan from heaven if we'll just trust him and look to him. Now, it, we're lining up, uh, and I'm going to say this, until David steps forward and slays the giant, the body of Christ will not join the battle. There is something that the Davidic anointing gets other people back in the fight. There is much of the church sitting home right now that is in a building and they quit because they got discouraged. Now, you can watch Joe Osteen, T.D. Jakes, but if you have a problem, you can't touch the TV and receive an anointing. Uh, if you, you cannot fellowship with them, I know you can sit down and talk while they're talking, but they don't hear you. You were built for fellowship. And if you really want your gift to be sharpened, you iron sharpens iron, the TV will never sharpen you. It'll never challenge you. If you don't like it, you turn it off. How many of you know? You're stuck with us. You got to work it out. Okay. Okay. So, so what happens is it sharpens. And if you hang out, you give yourself to extra meetings, to extra things. What happens? You start getting sharper. It knocks off barnacles. It gets you smoothed out and, and it gets you going forward. Now, what's interesting is in verse 13, the three oldest sons of Jesse followed Saul into the battle. Now, this is interesting. They followed Saul. I really believe because they were under King Saul, they could not break the limitation that King Saul put between him and God. You don't want to follow somebody who says no to God because it limits your warrior anointing. Watch who you follow because who you follow will determine who you are. And so, you know, I know that if you're in this house, you have a vision for the world. You have a vision for certain things. And whatever is on the head flows on the body. And King Saul, there, he, he, uh, 
I want to say this about King Saul. I think we give him a bad rap. The part I want to say, when God anointed King Saul, he changed his heart. When God anointed David, he did not change his heart. He increased his anointing. And people talk about a heart change. The anointing can do it. But the problem was when the anointing lifted, his heart jerked back. What am I saying? Prepare your heart so the anointing will stay on it. David worshiped, I mean, Saul worshiped when the Spirit of God came on him among the prophets. David worshiped before he met the prophet. Just trying to help. Okay, who can, who you follow determines the anointing you will carry. David was the youngest. I want to say this to you. Do not let your age disqualify you, but don't get a punk attitude either. <laughs> Okay, do you know what the Joshua generation is? Talk to me a minute. What's the Joshua generation? It's 80-year-olds leading 40 and under into the promised land. I don't qualify to be a Joshua. I'm too young. But I'm going to say this. There'll never be a Joshua generation without the Father anointing. We think about the Joshua and the young. I'm telling you, the young will never make it if they're not fathers among them to challenge them. And in it, uh, there will, God will always leave fathers to be a part of what he's doing in the youth because it rises up. And there has to be a covering uh, for people to make it. There has to be an honor from somebody who did something greater to bring them in to some, their part of the battle. Does this make sense? And so uh, if I was to, um, let me say, um, let me give it, well, I'm not even going to go there. Let's just, either you get it or you don't. I, don't. I don't have time to give an example. Okay, let's move on. Okay, so worshipers carry an anointing the warriors had lost. Saul was not a worshiping king and rebellion came very easily. Now, what I want to say to you, worship is not singing. Heart worship keeps you from rebellion. When you worship, it stops, uh, your, when you worship, it stops rebellion from presenting itself to you. Satan's rebellion was a refusal to worship. So when you stop worshiping, rebellion's around the corner. Now, you know, it's like you, you're worshiping and you're having a good time. And all of a sudden, you don't like the way they did it. You're so thin-skinned. I ain't worshiping. I don't like that guitar lead. Are you worshiping because of the music? Are you worshiping because he's God? I was down on my face and praying, and, and I have a, a, a person in our church who's an excellent musician. And, and it really wasn't a Sunday where they, it was all falling apart. And I was on my face worshiping. And they just made, uh, this woman made it this, comment. She said, well, I thought you were enjoying it. I said, no, I was enjoying worshiping God and praying God help them. But I was having a good time. I wasn't sitting there, turn this up, turn this down. I just got on my face because I came to worship. And the fact that it was one of the, the most, anyway, you know what I'm saying? Because we really have a good worship team, but that Sunday, they were out to lunch going 30 different directions. I know it never happens here because you, you flow, but 
Joe, have you, have you ever had Sunday? She's like, could I just do that one again? Could we? What did you all have for breakfast? Don't ever eat it again before you come to church. Okay, so we worship. Now, what I'm going to say is, in verse 16, it says, And the Philistine drew near and presented himself. I'm going to say this to you. You're not a David until the Philistine presents himself to you. When you start feeling the Philistine come close to you, when you start feeling the enemy pressing, the champion coming against you, and, and, it, and then you know you're a David, it's time to rise up. It says, now Saul and all the men of Israel, now this is an interesting thing. It says, we're in the valley fighting with the Philistines in verse 19. I don't know if they were doing little skirmishes on the side or if they thought fighting was coming out to the battle and looking. I don't know why it says it or they were reportedly were fighting, but they were just watching. I don't know what the deal is. So it says David rose early in the morning. What I want to say is take your day early. Because you may be meeting the enemy at lunchtime. Take your day early. My wife and I will have our time. We read our Bible. We pray. We get ourselves ready. If we get, if something calls and we get pushed out, we're going down, and all of a sudden the day is not going the way, we just didn't put God first. And we'll repent. We'll stop. You know, and I know it's not, you would think we always do. I know there's people here that always put God first, but there's other people now and then that forget. Okay, so I just want to, okay, just, just, okay. I just want to be clear. Okay, so what I want to say is in wrapping this up, when when David advances against Goliath, he he this is this is what he's asking. He's saying, what's the reward for taking this guy down? What's he? First of all, they tell him what the reward is. Then he asks somebody. Eliab, his older brother, who Samuel thought was surely the Lord's anointed. How would you like to be David growing up in the shadow of Eliab? You're the little runt. He's a quarterback, homecoming king. He's everything. Even the prophet thinks he's the next king. Jesse was sure he was the next king. And David, you know, I, I wrote in my book, we have, we, if, if I could... Tracy, here in the back, if you just bring up three books, I'll just make a little comment here. But David, when, when Jesse brought all of his sons together, there might have been a reason David was never called forward. Because remember what it says in Psalms that David said, I was conceived in sin? It is actually possible that David was a hand, was a son of a handmaiden, which would have meant in Jewish law he had no inheritance, he had no right. When it says, I was conceived in sin, he's not just talking about, uh, uh, I mean, it used to be, if, you know, in the old days, when, what they thought that meant? Having sex was sin, and you asked God to forgive you after you're done. That's the truth. I don't know if you knew that or not. Go back and look in the 1600. But what David was saying was, I was conceived in sin, and a Jewish boy conceived in sin would have had no inheritance. Does that make sense? So he would not be called to be king. Do you know that Jesus was born out of wedlock to take the curse? Because 
if anybody in your family was born out of wedlock 10 generations back, you couldn't even come in the house of God. How many of you know that would mean most of us couldn't even walk in this place? Don't tell me your family's that good. Okay. Are you with me? 10 generations back, I wouldn't bet on it. So what happens is they were out of that, what I call a bastard spirit. You were isolated out of the presence of God. And, and some of you might need to break that spirit because you can be around people, but you just don't connect. And you think, why don't I connect? It could be that curse because you were not allowed. Isn't that sort of amazing? Now, see, my grandfather was an orphan adopted into an Amish family. So I know it was in my side of the family. And I had to break that. Had to break that orphan spirit. And so this is a real problem. Now, what does Hebrews say? He's a rewarder of those. Okay. So do you, how many of you believe in a reward? Okay, David did too. He said, when he heard the reward, he went and checked out with somebody else. What did they say will be done for this guy? His brother says, well, I know your heart. You're proud and you're arrogant. How many know the truth was Eliab was projecting his issue onto David? Because God told Samuel the prophet, said, you look at the outside, but I see the inside. And this guy doesn't have a good heart. You know what? This is amazing. A thief thinks everybody's crooked. An honest person trusts everybody. The wet, what you are is how you see others. As a man thinketh, so he looks at others. That's Dale's added word to it. It's a truth. It's a truth. You, the way you think about yourself, it affects the way you look at other people. So if you feel like you have hope, you look with other people with hope. If you feel depressed, you start, you know, well, anyway, so you got it. So David removed the champion status when he went to fight against Goliath. He said, uh, he said, let no man's heart fail. This servant will go out and fight against this Philistine. Now, what I want to say to you is what's very interesting. He didn't call him a champion. He just called him a Philistine. Uh, and in it, uh, Saul said, he said, you're not able to go and take him down. Now, how did David get in front of King Saul? He didn't ask to go to King Saul because he was going around and asking what will be done for this guy. They, and he heard about it. Nobody else was looking at the reward. Now, listen, if, if I come up to you and I say, okay, so if I do this and I do that, I'm going to get $10,000. Am I going to get $10,000 if I do this? Am, am I really going to get $10,000 for this? Now, I want to say something to all of you to break a little religious bubble. If you beat Goliath, you get a reward. <laughs> what am I saying? God is a rewarder of those. He's a rewarder. He's a, everybody say, he's a rewarder. Now, I'm not just looking for finances. I'm looking for the name of the Lord. But in it, I'm going to tell you, when you start taking down Goliath's, finances will come to you that you need. There will be uh, taxes gone. And when you take down Goliath, if you need, you get married. Now, some of you are still praying, okay. 
Now, I, want, I just want to talk about this for a moment. Um, whenever you take down something that is causing other to people to be afraid, heaven rewards you. David understood this. He was sold out to God. Uh, when I was over in Asia, somebody asked me this. They said, let me ask you, do you believe in the one place where you lay it all down for the Lord. You give up everything and you lay it all down for God. Or do you believe that you uh, receive in faith and prosper? And I said, I believe that every Christian should do both. There There should be a time you lay it all down and there should be a time you pick up more than what you expected. Why? Because that's the way it is. We need to sacrifice, but we also need to see that God is the God of abundance. He's the God of bling. Streets of gold. Pearl gates. It'll look Macy's and Marcus Neiman look like pathetic. Are you with me? I mean, Neiman Marcus. See, you know, I try not to say those names correctly so we don't go there. Okay. Now, this is a part I want to I come to you is what I like about David when King Saul said, that, now I want you to notice this. I, I, I put this in my book and this. David received the blessing of King Saul to fight Goliath. David could have said to, to Saul, he said, listen, umpteen years ago, I was anointed to be the next king because God is so done with you. You're so yesterday. And you don't even have the anointing that I have. I took down the lion and the bear. And I believe Goliath would have eaten him for lunch. But as he, as King Saul blessed him to kill Goliath, then he said, would you wear my armor, my Saul? You know what I like about David? He was willing to try it. He was willing to try it, but then he's honest enough and said, I haven't tried this, but he was willing to try it on. I'm going to tell you, when somebody asks you to do something and you feel you're more anointed and they're the leader, try it. Just show you have a submitted spirit. If it don't fit, communicate. Listen, Saul's armor was the best in Israel. He was not giving him a downgrade. He was trying to give him the best. There was was no, they didn't have a lot of swords if you read the history. Are you with me? He had the laser tech, high tech stuff. He was trying to give it to him. He said, I just don't work with this. Now, how many of you know what works for somebody else don't work for you? And so he grabbed the stone and the sling and he went And he ran toward Goliath. Now, this is a part. How many of you are ready to run, not just look, but start running toward Goliath? And I really feel there's a running anointing coming on this church that there's something you're about to take down. And I feel this is a prophetic word, especially uh, Steve and Melody and Melody, even you in particular. There's something you're to run at and you're to take it down and everybody will shout and enter into the victory. Now, what David said, he said this, he, he, he said this, he said, uh, verse 46, and another one a little bit later, for this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Everybody say my hand. Amen. Listen, you better know 
that God can bring victory through your hands. I want you to look at your hands and to say, these hands are hot. Somebody's miracle is stuck in my hands. Somebody's blessing is stuck in my hands. These hands are hot. They're hotter than the devil wants me to believe. I like it when I pray for people and they feel more than just my words. There is an anointing on you that will literally empower other people to do things they could not do. There is an anointing on you you have to release. And I want to say this to you. David didn't just stir up his own anointing. He received an anointing from Samuel. Now I want to talk about Samuel a minute. Samuel, David was, it's in my book. You have to buy the book. You have to read it. We have a special deal, 16, 13, 13. That would be 43. But we have a special deal for 30. This is better than Walmart. You can get them on Amazon. You can actually buy it on Bethel Bookstore. They have a web under identity. You can go and buy it there. And if you do, please leave a review. Okay, nobody's given a review <laughs> at Bethel. I got them all on Amazon. Okay, now, and if it doesn't change your life, Like I said, I'll give you your money back. But you have to find me. Okay. (laughs) I have two sons and a father. My wife wrote a wonderful book, God, I Feel Like Cinderella. She shared part of her testimony. They will just absolutely change your life. People have gotten saved. People have gotten delivered, healed. And uh, it's just these, I I wouldn't write something just to sell it. I'd only write it if it changed me, and it did. And uh, it's a wonderful miracle book. These are good things. Now, What I want to talk to you a minute just about David. Where was I at before I said that? Samuel. David was overlooked by his father. And how many of you know, if you're overlooked by your father, it it doesn't allow you to come forward in life. So what, what God did was he brought Samuel out of retirement. Why Samuel? Why did he bring Samuel out of retirement? Because who was Samuel? Samuel was the prophet of Israel. He was also like the president. He was a military leader. He was, he was, he, you know, he was before uh, Saul was made king. He was the judge over the nation. He was the priest that went in. He was the prophet. He was all of it wrapped up in one. Does that make sense to you? Now, what I want to tell you is the secret. God did not use... Just the anointing to bring forth David, the oil from Samuel's horn. He brought the greatness of Samuel to bring forth the greatness out of David. Because David was going to be all of that. Does that make sense to you? Now, if I lay hands, and and let's just suppose, uh, uh, what's your name that played the guitar? Josh. Josh. If I was to say to him... You're about to be an evangelist and travel around the world. I mean, I'm a pretty good prophet. But let's suppose right in the middle of my preaching, Billy Graham wheels in on his wheelchair and he says, is Josh here? Come over here, Josh. You're going to get a, you're going to get a lot of people saved. Puts his hand off you, rolls back, drives away. Doesn't say anything to any of us. Now, how many of you know? Because it was Billy Graham, I said more words, but Billy Graham poured his greatness 
over him. And all of a sudden, he started to seeing himself because who laid hands on him? Does that make sense? When you anoint people, you're not just pouring oil over them. You're also pouring your greatness over them. That's why when a father pours his greatness, when Cal Ripken pours his greatness over Cal Ripken Jr., when Tiger Woods' father pours his greatness over him, that's why when somebody who's a father or mother pours their greatness, or if it's not your child and you pour their great, your greatness over them, you start to blossom. You know, Bishop Bill Hammond, he poured his greatness over me, over Stephen Melody, over my wife. And all of a sudden, we start blossoming in apostolic and prophetic. Not just because we have the anointing, but somebody has to pour their greatness over you. Now, in this, I'm going to say this. You are great to somebody. And you don't even know it. You have more than somebody else. You may say, well, I want to reach this. But if you'll start taking the greatness you have and pouring it over other people, you'll start to see people flower as, as you start to release the anointing. Uh, do you realize that, that even Paul, he, he, he said, I'm going to lay hands on you and I want to impart and instruct you according to the prophecies spoken over you. He would stir that thing up and uh, you, you stir the greatness up in other people. Now, in this book, and I just want to say this for a minute, how many of you like to worship? Okay, the problem, the problem with the two sons, they both had the same issue. They wanted, they wanted fatherless parties. One in rebellion, and the other said, he said, you've never even given me a, a lamb or a calf to throw a party for my friends. He wasn't even concerned about his father being there. He just, me and my friends. Younger prodigal, just me and my friends. How many of you know, when you're a teenager, you don't always want your parents to be at the party? Come on, be honest. <laughs> Why? If everything is cool, it's okay for the, no, it's too nerdy. I'm going to tell you something. Your father can throw you a party you can never throw for yourself. And when you enter into your father's party, the celebration, and when he starts to sing over you, it will release your identity. It'll bring healing. It'll bring a deliverance. And it says in the Bible, it says, uh, he surrounds us with songs of deliverance. He rejoices and sings over us. See, if you just see yourself worshiping him, but you can't hear him singing over you, you've only met 50% of the realm of the worship. The Father was made to be worshiped, but you were made in his image and likeness to be celebrated. If you are not celebrated, you will not function. Let me say it a different way. People that are underappreciated always underperform. Because it's a devaluing. If somebody comes to you and says, I know you can do it, and you doubt you can do it, all of a sudden you have a confidence to try. If there's something you know you can do and somebody says, I don't think you have what it takes, all of a sudden doubt starts to rip through your spirit. That's why you need to enter into the Father's celebration. 
And so, it, Steve and Melody, I want you to stand up for a minute. And, and if you just stand right, right up in here, that's good. Sort of stand close together. Okay. Now, I want you to sort of to lift your hands and just worship the Father. Just say, we worship your Father. We yes, worship we your worship Father. You. Okay. Step up. Now, that's one part of the thing. Is they worship, we love you, Jesus. Here's the Father in heaven. He's going, I'm singing a song over deliverance. The money's coming in. The leaders are building up. I'm causing this church to go up to another level. He isn't just praying. He's singing over you. They're coming in from the north and the south, east and the west. North and south, east and the west. Let's get with it now. God even knows how to rap. Anyway, he knows it all. He's singing over you. If you can't see the Father singing over you, you still have a little bit of orphan spirit you need to get rid of. Can you imagine that Rebecca has a birthday and they refuse to sing happy birthday? That is the same way it is for you thinking the Father won't sing over you because to me, every day is my birthday. Hey. Why? Well, he born me and he born me again. Now, I want you to stand right here for a moment and I'm going to ask you just to come up because you're here real quick. Where's Rebecca? Where's she at? Rebecca, come on up here because then I got the real deal. Okay. <laughs> Rebecca, I want you to stand behind them and, and, sir, you're standing right there. Just come over here real quick. And stand right up there. Don't trip on the stage. Just stand in front of the Yamaha. And what's your name? Dave. Dave, you get to be God today. Stand up on the stage <laughs> a little bit higher. Okay? Now, this is the deal. This is Father God. This is Rebecca. When Rebecca was in her womb, it says, I knew you when you were in the womb. You know what that tells me? That the Father, creator of all mankind, desires to be the Father. He's already your creator, but he's not your Father until you're born again. That makes sense? So what happens, he creates Rebecca. He uses these two people, open up, she comes on through. And here's Rebecca. Let's all give a hand clap. Hallelujah. Now, stand there a minute. Now, this is the problem. You turn around and you look at your parents. And you, now, there's, there's certain realms here. God used her and him to make a unique her. He chose them to spin something different. There's similarities, but there's also uniqueness. If you hate your parents, you hate yourself. Okay? Now, I'm telling you, and if you hate your parents, you hate part of yourself. Say, I love my parents. I love me. Okay. Okay, now, now the problem is when we start looking, step back this way a little bit. Rebecca toward me, still looking at there. When we start asking for what we want in life, we can think about our parents and we forget who really our father is. 
He can bless her, but he will empower her. Are you following me? Now, when both of my parents, just go to the side, are now in heaven, all I have is my natural father. Now, let me, let me just walk with you a minute, and, and I want you to stand right here. Stand down, and, and you're God. Come back here with me, Rebecca. I'm now playing Steve. Okay. And, Rebecca, just come here. Just sort of bend your knees a little bit. Say, wah. Wah. She was born. She's a baby. Okay, so I'm her father. We're walking through life, and we're going along. Rebecca. Why can't you be more submissive? Oh, I just don't know. You're just like your mother. Okay. Go a little bit further in life. Rebecca, why can't you be like Joel? Straight A's and you're just straight C's plus. Okay. And then I go forward a little bit more and say, oh, whatever. Now I die and she's standing in front of Father God. And now, because of what I said as a father, she's thinking, who could I be that the father would love? If I would just be someone else, he would probably love me. Do you see the problem? Let's go back here. And she's wah. Wah. Let's go along. Rebecca, I'm telling you, There's a stubbornness in you, but God's going to use it to move heaven and hell. Don't you ever let go of it. Just point it the right way. I know you got it from your mother. Man, what a woman of God. (laughs) You come on forward. Rebecca, you see Joel with those straight A's? And you got straight C's. Don't you worry about it. I'm going to tell you, some of the greatest millionaires never made an A in their life. And he has his place but you have a special place in the Father's heart. And I'm telling you, you're a success waiting to happen somewhere. I die. She comes to Father God and she says, I trust him. Where are we going? What are we doing? Because she's accepted her identity with the natural father, now she turns around. And what happens is in him I live and move and have my being Because I was celebrated, I believe I have favor with the Father. Now, the reason why the devil fights fathers with children, he knows that if this connection is ever complete, his kingdom will suffer great loss. His only hope is to make each of us feel Father God would be happy if I just be a little different. Now, this is a strange part. He made you. He wants you that way. (laughs) And when you say, you didn't make me well, you're criticizing him. You're really saying, you're not a good God. If you'd have been on your cue, my nose would have been a little bit shorter. I'd be a little bit taller. And you know what? You know, women, if your hair is straight, you curl it. If it's curled, you straighten it. It's like God couldn't make anybody happy. You know, it's like whatever you have. Are, are you, don't throw stuff at me, okay? I'm just telling you. 
Most of the time, we want to change what God has already made wonderful. Now, I'm not saying you can't help it along down the road. I'm just saying, are you with me? Everybody say, when the Father created me, his genius was working. Wow. What a father. What a creator. I love the way you've made me. If you don't love the way he made you, you are not in full worship of him. If I don't like the way I am, it's called self-rejection and God-rejection. Lord, forgive me where I've judged you because I didn't like. Do you know God actually is very thrilled with you? He's so thrilled, he decided never to make another one of you. Now, in heaven, it says we'll all be given a new name. Jacob received the name Israel. But what I want to say to you is this. In heaven, when God the Father calls your name, only one head will turn, and that's yours. Only one head will turn, and that's yours. Everybody will have a new name. And you know, if you, if you go into a crowded subway, <laughs> I saw this one day on Promise Keepers, all these pastors together, Promise Keepers at DC Mall, they're on the subway, and this one guy at the end, he was, a, he was assistant pastor, he said, he just said, pastor, and a hundred heads went. <laughs> you know, you're in Walmart, and the kid says, mommy, all the, you know what I mean? But on that day, when he says your name, nobody's head will turn except yours. He made you that unique. You have a new name. That's, it's just, isn't that an awesome father? And when he calls you, that it'll only be you. Now, uh, we're right there. Let's give these underpaid actors a hand. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, I just want to end with this part, what I find is before anybody is ever promoted, and this is out of the book on David, there has to be new honor given by somebody who has more than you do. God will send people who carry honor to put honor on you. That's why when Abraham laid hands on Isaac and Isaac on Jacob, and remember when Jacob he blessed Joseph's sons and he crossed his hands. And Joseph wasn't happy. He said, no, this is the older one. And, and you know what God said? I'm not putting on the honor on the name of the one who said, you made me forget. I'm putting honor on the one that said, you've made me fruitful. Those are the names of the, the sons. Manasseh. You made me forget. Ephraim, you've made me fruitful. I'm going to say this. The greatest fruit isn't you being forgiven. That's not the greatest honor. The greatest honor goes to you being fruitful. Why? Because your fruit is given to people who have none. It's not to say, look how much I have. Look how much I can give. Does that make sense to you? So right now, I want us just to put your hands up to the Lord and say, Bless me, Father God, 
Make me fruitful. Isaac, the only son of Abraham, is a picture of Jesus. And as we see this with Jacob, we see this blessing. I really believe this. The fruit in your life is going to get somebody else through their famine. The fruit in your life is going to get somebody else through their famine. You don't know what you mean to people. You don't know what you're saying to people. I've heard stories of people that just said a few words and it kept a person from committing suicide. It kept a person from quitting the ministry. It caused the person to go in the right direction. Now, just as we wrap up, it's 12 o'clock and the Baptists are pressing toward the salad bar and we want to be right behind them. I'm just picking. I'm just teasing. I'm just, huh? Oh, uh, I just said that. It's okay. He's, we're okay. We're, <laughs> you got to have fun. I'm sure. I'm sure the Mennonites have already beaten them. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> we love the Baptists and the Mennonites. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, here we go. I want to just minister to a couple of people. I think there was, was there somebody uh, that, that was not going to be able to make it tonight, but you wanted me to touch her, that we'd already do that? Okay, two. Okay, let me, I just want to give just, I'm going to do three short prophetic words. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted to come back over, just say, uh, over the two, is this your family here? Some of them. Okay, okay. Say your name again. Reuben. Reuben, I just felt like this. God said, uh, you're going to throw seed in a field that has not produced, and it's going to grow this time. And I just felt like that God is breaking a, a curse, and he is going to cause there to be a new level of fruit in the name of Jesus. And I felt like God said, my son, this is a fruitful season. You're going to see the blessing of the Father. And the Lord said, my daughter, I'm giving you a prayer mantle to go in and pull down the veil of deception. And I'm going to cause you to even stand. I don't know why, but I saw you standing like a sister to your right, which I'm assuming you have an older sister. Okay, because that Okay, right. And I just feel like this. God said, your prayers are going to shift her life. And she don't believe what you believe, but she needs to believe. And God said, uh, I'm going to take off where the enemy has crushed her and, and, and stolen and like tried to crush her heart. And God said, there's a shared pain. You're going to minister to her. And so, Lord, I just release that in the name of Jesus. I release the healing in Jesus' name. Um, uh, um, what's your name? Deborah, Deborah, I felt like I saw you running across the field and you shouted like a cheerleader. And when you did, I really felt God said, your personality is about to blossom 
and, and you, you look very quiet, but I saw you just shouting. And God said, also, I'm putting a mantle of worship on you that you don't even understand. And I, and I just felt like God was also drawing you to like an instrument like the piano. And so, Lord, I just released that anointing in Jesus' name. And that Judah anointing, and your name is? What? Rosa? Rosa, Rosa, uh, there's fresh rain from heaven coming down on you. And I felt like God said, I'm going to give you the ability to retain information in a new level. And it's like there's going to be uh, uh, just the wisdom of God. The Bible says ask for wisdom. And God said, you're going to be very observant. And there's a counseling anointing I'm stirring inside of you. Lord, I just release that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Uh, as we're just, we're just wrapping up here. Uh, yeah, I just, I, uh, Tracy, I just looked back and I felt like I saw the Lord just put a torch in your hand. And you started running with this torch. And I, I felt like God said, pass the torch on and don't let the fire go out. I felt somebody's going to hand you the torch and you're going to run a leg of it and hand it to somebody else. Just watch how the Father uh, sets you up on that assignment in Jesus' name. Uh, this man in the wheelchair, what's your name? Joe, Joe, I felt like I saw you bringing bread out of your heart to give to other people. And I felt like God said, there's going to be people in heaven because of what you share. Lord, I just thank you. He brings forth the bread of life. I thank you for that anointing. I thank you even for miracles in his body. But Lord, I thank you. He's a thankful man in Jesus' name. And what's your name? Donna. I felt like God was getting ready. You know, when you flip a, a, a pancake on the griddle, I just felt like I saw you flipping this pancake. I wouldn't recommend it, but you were doing it. And as it went around, you flipped it, you caught it. And I felt like God said, it's time to cook the other side. And something that's half done is about to be flipped. And God said, watch a completing anointing. There's a completing anointing that the Father is releasing in this time and in this season. Um, this, this man right over here behind Pastor Steve, your name is? Danny, I felt like I saw you, uh, Danny, like you were taking this piece of metal and you started sharpening it and sharpening it. And it reminded me like, uh, like blades on a lawnmower. You were sharpening these blades. And I felt like God said, it's not about the power, but it's how sharp this thing is. And God said, I'm going to sharpen your business decisions. I'm going to sharpen what you put your hands to. And the Lord said, what was hard to cut through is going to be easy. And, and, and I felt like the Lord said, uh, I even felt like God said, be, be careful to, to agree to something too quickly until you calculate your profit margin. I don't know why I'm saying that. I just felt like God said, uh, be, double check, because I, I'd have felt, this is what I got a sense. It's like, I don't know how this, if you, do you have your own business? Okay. Okay, okay, well, and this might go both ways, but what I felt, the Lord said, I felt like you underbidded, and it was to your hurt, and you could have had more, and I just release uh, just even another level of worth that, that you're, that you, and I break any fear that you don't have value in what, in what you produce, so that sometimes think, well, they'll just use somebody else, but I, God said, you have favor, and I just felt like there was going to be favor to bid, and a new level of prosperity. Just, I just released that in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, 
I'm going to come over here so there's no abandonment on this side of the room. Okay. Uh, what's your name again? Is Dave. Okay. Dave, thank you for playing God for a little bit. How did it feel? Anyway. <laughs> power. Yeah. I tell you, it's really amazing to think about it. Dave, one of the things that I felt was, I felt like God was clicking you in to a puzzle piece. And when you started, have you ever put a puzzle together and it looks like it doesn't fit? And you said, I don't think I fit. And God said, if you'll let me move you by the time you get there, you'll fit. And I felt there's some things you're going to be asked to do in the house of God. You say, I don't know if it's a fit. And God said, just be pliable and watch, it fit, watch how you fit in. And I felt like God was going to use you in another dimension. And, and uh, uh, so, Lord, I just thank you, Father God, that you're enlarging his heart to, to even come to another dimension. And, and your name is uh, Lori? Lori, Lori, I just felt like this is going to be a time that God is, he was, he was almost like rubbing and smacking your ears. And he said, you've been asking, and you're about to hear from heaven. And he was like getting some, he was just getting your ears ready. But it almost felt like a father rubbing the ears of his daughter. And he said, come on, you know I love you. I'm not holding out, but I won't tell you too much ahead because you'd run ahead of me. So just right time. You know, just I could tell the loving father just touching you in Jesus' name. And, and the woman right behind there, what's your name? Antoinette. Antoinette, I felt like I saw you walking up on stilts, you know, like those, those people they, on stilts, like at a fair, they walk real high. God said, I'm giving you an elevated walk to see over the heads of people. And, and, and the Lord said, you're going to be a person that's not limited by the crowd, but you'll always be able to see ahead. And it's, and it's almost like you were directing people and you're pointing people because you stood above. And I just felt this, Lord, I just release even that managerial anointing. I release Father God that, Lord, she walks above and she can see. And I felt this, God is even taking the oil and putting it over your face. And God said, I'm anointing you for the new day that's in front of you. And, and I just thank you, Father God, prophetically, she sees and hears in the realm of the Spirit. I want to end up with just one thing for the church right now, prophetically. I just hear the Lord say, uh, I just heard thunder in my spirit. I heard thunder, and, and, and this, is a, this is a question. Did you feel the mountain tremble? You know what that means? The Lord is in his holy mountain. And the Lord said, my presence is going to shake this mountain. And when people come into this house, I'm going to shake things off of them. And I'm going to shake some things into them. And there's going to be a great shaking. And on that day, when the wind came in like the uh, sound of a rushing wind, the whole room was shaken. And the Lord said, there's a shaking coming. And there's a shaking to life. And God said, I'm shaking the dream. And I'm waking it up to another dimension. And you know how you shake a child to wake them up. And I felt, but God said, I'm shaking some dreams inside of you, inside of this house. And the Lord said, you're going to wake up. You're going to wake up the dream. And the dream is going to start to cry and it's going to start to move and it's going to start to live. And I don't know why, but I just felt there was something supernaturally. It just seemed like this sanctuary was twice as big. I just released the favor of heaven. I release the shaking of heaven. And I say this, you're coming into a dimension of his spirit where what was hard becomes easy. We love you. We bless you. Enjoy his presence. He certainly enjoys you.